Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today I have the pleasure of bringing to you a guest who um, I have actually never talked to at length, <laughs> or I think probably never talked to before this, before we were chatting before the uh, show went on. But um, we have been quoted in many similar articles, um, many articles in which we've given similar views, uh, although from a slightly different perspective. And um, today we're going to be talking about the toys that children play with. What do future terrorists play with? What is it that could have, when they were little innocent children, twisted their minds or contributed or helped to twist their minds such that they are now wreaking havoc in the Middle East? And uh, what about people who aren't terrorists? What do they play with in the Middle East? My guest has devoted her whole life to studying toys, not just in the Middle East, but all over the world. And in fact, uh, she goes by the name of Dr. Toy. Her real name is Dr. Stevan Auerbach. And um, she, and when I was talking about us being quoted in some articles about uh, the same topic, that was in regard to how violence in toys um, influences children to become more aggressive and violent. But we're going to be talking about that, but also this aspect of um, of to- multicultural toys or cross-cultural toys. And she is certainly uh, an expert on that in the sense that she was actually speaking at the Middle East Toy Fair in Dubai two weeks after the war in Iraq started. You can't get more uh, into the situation than that. And she'll be sharing her views and, and observations about what went on over there. So welcome to the show, Dr. Stephen Auerbach. Thank you, Carol. It's wonderful to be talking in person about a subject that touches us all very closely. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really delighted to be on your show. And, you know, the subject is so broad and has so many different aspects between toys, video games, uh, our country, around the world, and so on, that, um, you know, our hour together is not going to be enough. I but I must tell you, an hour with you on the couch talking about <laughs> this is really a good start because I hope that, that listeners are going to stop and think for a while what they put in the hands of children because what you play with as a child, and I've done this study in every group that I've spoken to around the world, I have people close their eyes, go into your imagination and see yourself as a child. Go back into the time when you were little and see yourself playing with a toy. And in a very short while, you will see yourself Playing with something. You might be playing with a toy gun. You might be playing with a doll or with a construction toy. And you go into that memory and it comes back so quickly. And now years later, when you open your eyes, you can remember that memory of yourself playing as a child. Yes, I, I, came, I went right away to a memory of a little dog, uh, a little wooden dog who I led around on a leash 
and it made a noise. Um, a pull toy. A pull toy. That's and true. I remember uh, I loved making that noise and walking through the house and disturbing right. people. Well, <laughs> I guess see, getting their attention is what right. it was. Well, you see, Carol, that is indicative of the <laughs> child. No, no, well, you know, getting attention. No, but this is exactly what I'm talking about. You, it, it is a power, a sense of the child walking. You were learning to walk and pulling that dog, and it was making a sound, and you were the center of attention. People paid attention to you. And children need that kind of experience. And so this is what I say. After you, you could remember in such a few minutes what you played with as a child, whatever it was, and how important is that, what we give to children? How how powerful is the toy that we give to the child? If the little boy picks up a stick and and plays with a gun, you know, that he uses in his imagination, that's one thing. If he builds a, 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 a gun out of a Lego or a construction toy and makes it himself. But if you give a child a real looking gun, a realistic gun, a BB gun, a water gun, whatever, that looks real, and the child then says, oh, the parent agrees, this is okay, this is okay to shoot. And so we have an issue in this country between the the Rifle Rifle Association that says it's okay to arm, it's one of our, you know, amendments of uh, uh, rights, you know, so on, to bear arms, on on the one hand, and on the other hand, what do we do with the violence in East L.A. and in Oakland and all over this country where kids are out of control with guns because they're watching video games, they're watching the war in Iraq, they're watching television, they're movie heroes acting out violence every single day. And so here this innocent childhood that you had walking with a dog, feeling very proud of yourself, you know, having fun, is quite different than a boy playing with a gun. And that's the difference between boys and girls and between how children act out their playfulness. Uh, what do we want to give to children? What do, what's the best thing for kids to play with? And if parents and adults think it's okay to play with violent toys and violent video games, you know the sale of video games is 30 billion dollars in this country and that would be enough to educate every single child in this country to learn how to read and how to write and how to do math i know it's it's really it's pathetic i mean it's it's just pathetic and especially do you know about the game that um is coming up i mean they keep threatening to release it bully oh uh it takes place at at a child's not so much a child sort of a teen's um, reform school, and it's incredibly violent. Right, and, and they uh, pick on each other. And, yes. You know that uh, someone else that you know, I'm sure, Peter, Paul, and Mary, Peter of Peter, Paul, and Mary, has created a project called Don't Laugh at Me Against Bullying. Mm. And he's trying to, to help kids understand, to have compassion for each other, to have understanding of one another to stop the bullying on the on the playground these are these are very um difficult characteristics that children uh develop as you know in the playground you notice in a playground for example some children are 
jump roping. They play with a hula hoop. They'll play basketball. They're doing something constructive. But there are some kids who pick on each other. There are some kids who will push the other child or, you know, knock them down or get into fights. That's what we're talking about. Those kids are the ones we have to really watch for. The kids who are prone to violence, to prone to acting out aggression, are the kids that are going to be in trouble with the video games. Now, the other night I saw a young man who I don't think he was 18 years old yet, and his name is Mortality. That's his uh, stage name. And he goes around the world playing video games, and he has won already $300,000. And he's doing this as uh, the the video game industry has created these uh, cyber sports activities. And this is not just in this country. This happens in Europe. It happens in other countries. It's in Korea. And uh, what's happening is that these children think that it's okay to play these violent video games on the world stage. In other words, this is the way they play. Now, if the world was just a video game and it was just that, that, you know, there was no bloodshed, I would have no problem with that. You know, if that's the way we're going to act out violence is through a game, no one's going to get killed. The problem I see is that what happens is the kids take this to the next level with the gun, you know, going into the service, into military, into bombs, into, you know, suicide bombings, all of these kinds of things are, to me, the um, the extension of this kind of violent behavior. Yes, absolutely. And, and where do you draw the line? How do you stop the violence that's out of control? And how do you change the point of view of children who think it's okay to kill? See, once that's set up as an okay behavior, then you put a gun in their hand. They, the Army uses some of these games to train yes. uh, their military. Yes. Well, well. before we... Um, I, I just want to talk... You're talking about putting, putting on, going on the couch. Right. <laughs> um, just tell us how you... I mean, you've actually devoted your life to this. You've written 15 books. You've developed a toy um, uh, museum in San Francisco. Right. Um, you've devoted, essentially, you, you write about um, recommending toys, giving awards to toys, right. how to choose a toy, all of that. You've just written a new book called Dr. Toys, Smart Play, Smart Toys, How to Raise a Child with a High PQ, Play Quotient. Right. You know about, the, you, you know about emotional quotient, because obviously as a psychiatrist, you're very concerned about the children's emotional growth. Right. We know about IQ, but you know that people never think about PQ. How do we play? <laughs> so I invented, so you made that up. I that made a, it up. Okay. I, 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 I saw that, um, you know, Howard Gardner's work in multiple intelligences, and I looked at the issue of how we play and the extent to which children play. Some are automatic players and they will get into play and others are more reluctant so the degree to which we are playful now carol what happened at the san francisco toy museum years ago is a child we would we had wonderful exhibits we had place for kids to play we had a lot of things going on and one day i see in the newspaper that a child was killed running down a hill in potrero hill 
playing with a gun. The child was mentally retarded. He didn't hear the policeman call out to him to stop. He did not stop, and they shot him. Mm. And it was such a tragedy. And I thought, this is the most horrible thing. The Mm -hmm. kid is playing with a gun that looks real. And what we did is we converted this terrible thing to have that happened into a positive we had kids bring their toy guns to the cannery and they brought the toy guns they came from schools all over the city and they were given a hula hoop instead of the and gun. instead uh-huh. of the gun and the kids were having fun learning how to do the hula hoop we had some of the supervisors came to 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 support this and it was you know a, a wonderful promotion for changing this negative energy into a positive. And that's really what I want to talk about. I, I really feel that, you know, violence to me is, is, um, is everyday occurrence in our community, in our homes. There's domestic violence, there's community violence and so on. And we really have to transform as a society because we are one of the most violent countries on the planet. Yes, absolutely. But and, and when we come back, because I know the music is going to be coming on soon to take a break, <laughs> um, when we come back, I'd like to start doing that by talking about your experiences in the Middle East. Yes. What, um, what you were doing over there <laughs> right around the time that the Iraq War began and, uh, and what you saw. So um, that's sort of the best way to see the impact of, uh, or one of the places, not just in our own country, um, but certainly a very vital place to try to understand at this time when uh, news is all about the crises in the Middle East. My guest today is Dr. Toy, a.k.a. Dr. Steve Ann Auerbach, and uh, we will come back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. The Internet's premier talk radio station, VoiceAmerica.com. Join Patricia Raskin, host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Positive Living Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Want to break in the action? Join us Thursdays at 8 to 9 a.m. and again from 8 to 9 p.m. for the L.A. Underground Comedy Show, hosted by stand-up comedian Ralph Benson, who also co-produces Comedy Beer Sex Appeal, Santa Monica's premier weekly stand-up comedy showcase at 14 Below. Originally from Rochester, New York, Ralph has been a bartender in Hollywood for over six years and is a veteran of the Los Angeles nightlife scene. If you've partied in L.A. since a millennium, chances are he's probably got you drunk. So untuck your shirt and have a stiff Bell with Ralph's no holds barred approach with LA Underground Comedy Show on the Voice America channel beginning May 25th and every Thursday from 8 to 9 a.m. and again at 8 to 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on VoiceAmerica.com. 
At least 90% of sports success requires mental strength. And the greater the competitive level, the more critical it becomes to build that mental muscle. Tune into Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time. Your host, Jim Meyer, sports psychology coach, consultant, and author, offers practical, powerful, and positive mental game, tools, tips, and techniques. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental game with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're talking about toys and is it child's play? And in fact, of course, the toys that uh, people, children play with uh, affects them affect them for the rest of their lives. And this can be either in a positive way with warm, fuzzy memories or in a way to cause them to become more violent if they are playing with what we call war toys or toys, toy guns, toy soldiers, toy anything that has to do with violence, essentially, which studies have shown, many research studies have shown, cause children to grow up to become uh, more aggressive. In fact, you just can look at the at your nearest playground, and if you see children any age um, playing with violent toys, you watch how their play changes compared to children on the playground who start out playing with nonviolent toys. And you know, ten minutes later, fifteen minutes later, well, you the toys lend themselves to either violent play, you know, people chasing each other and going bang bang, or uh, taking a toy knife or sword and and uh, acting acting that out, um, or whether they're doing something that is actually more productive or more intellectually stimulating or just more fun. Um, my guest today is Dr. Stevan Auerbach. She is Dr. Toy, and she's devoted her life to studying toys. And one of the places where she studied toys was in the Middle East. So tell us all about that. Right, Sarah. Thank you so much. I, as I said at the beginning, and you know this too, there's so much to talk about in this subject on so many different levels. And uh, a number of years ago, I wanted to, when I, when I finished the book, I was really interested in getting it out to other countries. So I sent it to a contact that I had in the uh, toy industry uh, that sort of works in the international level. And he wrote back and, and arranged for me to be uh, invited to come to the the Middle East Toy Fair. And uh, it was scheduled, and it I didn't think I was going to be able to go because the war in Iraq was going on at the time. But the war ended, and the fair was scheduled just two weeks, three weeks after the uh, war ended. And we went for the first time to um, Dubai, and it was my first experience in um, an Arab country. And I must say that it was startling in so many different aspects. Um, and I have spoken now to several people who do research in other countries that are in the in the Middle East also. The children there uh, play with 
toys that are very familiar to the children in this country. The toy fair was very similar to a toy fair that might have taken place in New York or in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, The toys that children play with are international on many levels, uh, at least in the urban areas. Uh, However, in the countries where there is more military buildup, the prevalence of military-type play is much more prevalent uh, and much more directed to boys uh, so that you actually can see uh, in television and in cartoons that I did watch. I always watch cartoons mm-hmm. in other countries to see what uh, children are, are exposed to. So that part of it, there was a lot of similarity and there were some startling differences. Uh, so depending, again, on the economic of the family and so on, uh, what was available. But I, when I spoke at the fair, I, they, they all spoke English very well. And what I discovered is that through going around looking at all the exhibits, I didn't see any dolls that were representative of the girls in that country dressed in the burkas. And I suggested to a group that met with me informally about some, you know, what kinds of things I would suggest that they could do to improve the toys. I said that right off, that I felt they needed to have some role models, some dolls that would dress the way they they were dressed. And my understanding is that they actually have created uh, a doll that is dressed uh, in their costume. So they were playing with Barbie dolls? Barbie, Barbie dolls, that's right. And what kind of Barbie? Any particular, well, the, you know? Well, the, the traditional Barbies that dressed in Western clothes, even though they were not dressed in Western clothes. So there is very much, um, you know, a fantasy kind of thing. Although I must say there's another remarkable aspect, at least what I saw in Dubai, and it's true for the large urban areas. There is a shopping mall the likes of which you haven't seen on Rodeo Drive. I mean, it's it's similar. In the middle of their city, there are malls that are in air-conditioned malls and absolutely every single uh, kind of uh, store that you ever could imagine is there. So there is a lot of similarity, more so than you might expect. Uh, people there dress in private with the Western clothes, but when they go out, they dress in the traditional Arab clothing. So that, I felt, was a really startling uh, difference. So what were, now now your talk, what did you give a talk on? Uh, I I I talked about play and the nature of play and the importance of play and the types of toys that children play with and looking at... So did you actually tell them about how it wasn't good to play with violent toys? Well, actually, I... I would have loved to. Right, right, right. (laughs) That that would be very interesting to be in the middle of of this this kind of um, group and um, and talk about how, you know, toy guns leads to violence. 
Well, that is pretty much what I did. You know how when I started our discussion, I went into um, your imagination and going back into, I did that with them also. And uh, many of them that were in the audience, I had actually two different presentations. Uh, Many of them remembered just playing with natural uh, objects. They didn't even have toys. But, you know, if your family is peaceful, and your family and your environment is a peaceful one, you're going to be in a peaceful place. You may be aggressive naturally. Uh, Boys tend to be that way when they get to be five, six, and seven. They start to act out uh, aggressive roles. If that is now channeled into uh, army-like behavior, military-like behavior, I've seen... uh, children acting that out in the streets uh, where we were. We traveled in and around the country uh, quite a bit while we were there. We actually got to see quite a bit of the, of the country. Um, there is a tendency to um, look at television a lot and copy what they see on television. And there, is, there are a lot of video games being played there also. So this whole idea of um, reinforcement of play through what we give children is is a universal characteristic. I think. So, so I guess the key question is: Did you see that as? Um, I mean, here in the United States, even though uh, families don't enough um, sufficiently uh, follow through with what they are intellectually aware of. In other words. I think certainly now, more than 10, 20 years ago, families are aware that um, when children play with guns or when uh, or other violent toys or when they wa- play with violent video games or watch violent movies or television shows, they, they've heard somewhere, um, you know, certainly we've tried to do our best. Right, right. Um, they've heard somewhere that there's a connection between yes. violence. And so... Parents are at least aware of that, even though they don't necessarily follow through and not buy these things. Right. But in the Middle East, did you feel that um, whether it was the government or, um, you know, the culture, did you feel that there was a kind of encouragement um, of playing with violent toys, military toys, video games, etc., because of this either unspoken or spoken um, plan to become terrorists. Right. I, I'm not sure that I could say that Dubai was a source of that kind of play. I felt that there was more of a, a more middle class type playfulness, but some of the kinds of things we would observe here. Um, Dubai happens to be a very a financially secure country and more democratic in a certain way, although it's not. None of the countries there are really democratic. They're really run by uh, the sheikh and the families and so on. So it's not um, uh, prevalent to see... Um, in, 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 you would not see the violence, perhaps, that you would see in other countries mm-hmm. as in the same way. I think that when a country is um, gearing up for war or they're trying to brainwash the citizens into 
uh, going along with their policies, I think you get to see much more reinforcement of this mm-hmm. kind of behavior. I don't. Uh, Dubai has stayed neutral. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might see it in some countries where they're wavering. Uh, you know, where people are politically is very often how they reinforce this with children. Right. You know, you mentioned about well, parents... Before you start okay. a new paragraph, yeah, sorry. <laughs> the music is playing oh, gently okay. in the background, right. and we do need to take a break. This is right. very interesting stuff. My guest today is Dr. Toy, Dr. Steve Ann Auerbach. We're talking today about toys, and especially toys in the Middle East. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. So stay tuned as we... Uh, do a little more play. The Internet's premier talk radio station, VoiceAmerica.com. what are the favorite travel destinations of the Hollywood Jet Set? Where do celebrities like to go when they aren't walking the red carpet? Tune in to Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with President of Traveris, David Manning, and Lisa O'Hurley, golf aficionado and wife of actor John O'Hurley. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa talk with well-known actors, sports celebrities, and entertainment insiders to find out about their favorite travel destinations and what they recommend. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa also offer up feature vacations each week and last-minute deals for your next getaway. Find out what's new and exciting in the travel industry, as well as how to raise money for your nonprofit organizations while enjoying a wonderful vacation. Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with David Manning and Lisa O'Hurley broadcasts each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, your inside look into celebrities and travel. The Woman MVP Who Sets You Free, with host, entrepreneur, author, motivational speaker, corporate executive, philanthropist, wife, and mother, Luann Mitchell-Halter, is an exciting and provocative look at the real world with real exciting guests and real stories of triumph and professionalism with a dash of spice, sharing recipes for a better world on all the playing fields of life. Join Luann Mitchell-Halter as she and her guests uncover and expose us to our abilities to create our very own Big League MVP, My Victory Plan, Potential for Greatness. The Woman MVP Who Sets You Free with Luann Mitchell-Halter broadcast each Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. The Woman MVP Who Sets You Free. It's time to get off the bleachers, play the game of life, and be the MVP. Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture, who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time to Jeffrey Gitterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Bringing you around the world, right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're actually, we're talking about play, but play can be a serious business 
and my guest has devoted her life to it, seriously. Her name is Dr. Steve Ann Auerbach, or Dr. Toy. And, um, you know, one of the things, we were talking about uh, toys in the Middle East, and I want to get back to that, but I also wanted to put you on the couch for a few minutes and ask you how, what do you think, <laughs> what do you think is the reason why you um, devoted, wound up devoting your whole life to toys? Oh, that's a good question, Carol. Um, two answers for that. I've always been in education. I started as a teacher, actually a teacher of swimming way back, and um, education has as its core the whole issue of learning as play and play as learning, and mm. through, through play is how children learn best. And so I was always intrigued about the nature of play and learning. Uh, When I was working on my doctorate, I worked with a man who studied with Piaget and who uh, started the Parent Toy Lending Library for Head Start. Hmm. And he got me inspired to think about play and in child care centers and nursery schools and the nature of play and also what children are actually playing with, the kinds of products that they're playing with. So I started looking at that, and um, I've written now three books on toys and play, and the latest one really goes from baby, you know, the parent is the child's first big toy, (laughs) and I think that's where it all starts, Mm -hmm. um, to really looking at it up to age 12, but I've really been extending my thinking very much to seniors, because I think Mm -hmm. seniors need to play. Uh, it helps to reduce Alzheimer's and other issues that, uh, as we get older, I think too many people get too serious, too stressed. They forget that life should be partly playful. Well, yeah. yeah. You know, so that that's part of what I've I've been doing is trying to find good products that are educational, that are creative, help get a balance between uh, physical, emotional, and uh, educational play and helping parents and teachers find those products. So I've been really reviewing products, trying to help kind of, I spent yesterday at the gift show uh, in San Francisco and I found some very new interesting products that mm. I've never seen before. Mm. So, and I just wanted to tell my listeners that um, you were the one, we owe Sesame Street to my guest. She approved the first grant to Sesame Street, and the rest is history. Right. <laughs> you well, that's good about yourself. In uh, very, to that. you know, that you're absolutely right. I, I was working for the Department of Education at the time, and I helped to establish uh, for the first time a child care center in the uh, building for the employees of the government, and that became a um, model for the federal government. And while I was working there, I was working for the Commissioner of Education, and he gave me this proposal, and it was a children's television workshop, uh, uh, and I thought it was a great concept, but what uh, was not included was the idea of bringing parents into it. Mm. I don't think children should just watch television by themselves. Yeah. I think that parents should be involved in the process. Parents should be involved in play and games and toys. Um, what what we give children right from the beginning is so very important. So I built that into the proposal, and uh, Joan Gans Cooney agreed, and uh, as a result, they've developed some wonderful reinforcement 
of the program with parents and with child care centers. They have a whole training program that they've developed. Mm-hmm. And one thing is so wonderful, Carol, is that show has gone universal. It's in every country now, and I, I'm very proud of that. I think this is something that's one of the great exports of the United States. Yeah. You know, we have McDonald's and and uh, soft drinks and other Pizza. things that I'm not so sure is a good thing. Well, <laughs> yes, I mean, I have talked many times um, on this show and about how um, really we need to take responsibility for having exported so much violence to all over the world, not exactly. just the Middle East. And um, how there is there have and I've been talking about this for quite some time, and how um, now we are seeing the results of it. The the seeds have been planted all over the world. That's it's right. like an infection, and there is violence sprouting up all over the world. All over and, the world, and that is definitely a result of these violent toys and the violent video games and the violent movies and television shows and everything else that right. our capitalist um, society. Right. has uh, made money on shipping all over the well, world, McDonald's see, and, and, and right. video games. And, and along with the McDonald's, which is poor nutrition, uh, comes along the poor image yes. of, of the violence and the destruction. None of this is really productive and constructive. And the other issue, I just saw Al Gore's film, uh, yes. which I think is an inconvenient truth. Yes, we I really do have it on this show a couple oh, weeks Oh, wonderful. Ago. Well, the yes. whole issue of the planet and that we really have to turn away from violence and start solving the problems of the planet. That's what I'm really hoping will happen. We really have to go through a transformation uh, before the tipping point comes where it's not possible. And, you know, in this issue of violence, you know, children learn in the sandbox to negotiate, to mediate, to try to solve their problem or not to throw sand in each other's face. You know, speaking of the Middle East. Right, I was just going to say, that, that, that's why. <laughs> I was trying to that's bring where it all started. <laughs> right. So, you so know, if we play in sandboxes here, where do, what do children in the Middle East play right. in? Well, that's what I'm saying. You're not throwing sand, you know. Uh, and and so if, if you, if, where do we teach children to mediate? Where do we teach children to deal with their aggression? How do we channel that aggression to positive aspects, to constructive work, to community service, to, to helping one another? And the games that I see out there, uh, Grand Theft Auto, yeah. uh, the bully program you mentioned earlier, uh, all of these terrible programs that are uh, the kids buy and use at home and in these arcades, why aren't there games that educate and illuminate and help kids learn positive uh, behavior? Yes, like taking care of the planet. Now, is that part of what you do? Do you consult? Do toy companies ask you um, for ideas as to positive kinds of playthings that would promote taking care of the well, earth and things like that? Carol, maybe that's where we should team up. Maybe that's our next campaign to do that. I've been very busy writing books, writing articles, evaluating products. I really haven't attempted to influence uh, the Mattels and the Hasbros of the world to move away from programs like Star Wars, for example, uh, to trying to find uh, planetary solutions for their uh, products. Uh, I do think that kids are ready for products that are positive 
and constructive. And I think there is a need for this kind of thing. So that might be something interesting to think about um, doing in our spare time. Well, now, try, to, try to influence yes. the toy companies. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I moved to Hollywood years ago in order yes. to influence people who made movies and television shows to make more accurate and more positive kinds of things instead of violent ones. Um, obviously, it, I've had a modicum of success, but certainly not sufficiently, or else we wouldn't be in the place that we're in Exactly. Right now. And, you know, the movies are exports along with the video games, and they show the world the way the world begins to think the United States really is. And I'm kind of shocked sometimes when I'm in another country and I see a U.S. Yes. movie, yes. and I'm thinking, my God, what these people must think yes. about us. That this is what goes on in the It's embarrassing. The it's, it's, it is. It is very embarrassing, and and uh, and it's it's just you know just in the same way that people copy the kinds of you know clothes that uh, Westerners wear, it's, right. they copy what they think goes on in in American society. Right. I, I know it's all it's all very terrible. Well, when you um, uh, evaluate different toys, isn't it the manufacturers who who asked you to do that? Or is that? Oh no, this is an independent service that I created years ago, fifteen years ago. I was asked by a professional magazine to review products for teachers, I and I started reviewing educational products. And then I thought, gosh, you know, the teachers use them in the classroom, but parents need them at home. And I just written an article for a homeschooling magazine. You know, there are a hundred a million uh, homeschooling uh, families. So uh, there's an audience out there that need information about educationally oriented products. Um, There are many good companies that make terrific products. We have a website that I will give out that. Oh no, that's great. (laughs) Well, a little tease about it, but what we have on it are information about products. But we also have a toy history timeline, and one of the most interesting aspects of our work has been the Ask Doctor Toy feature, where people are trying to find those toys that they had as children. Yes. You know, at the very beginning, that, that little walk toy with the dog that yes, you, right. you walked with? Well, you might have written to me and said, you know, I'm trying to find this toy that I had as a child that I pulled and it, it uh, well, barked and so on. And, and they will be able just, to help people That's find what it. we've been trying. We've been trying to do that on our website. Too. Well, you know, uh, oh, and here's the break, but when we come back, one of the toys, it's not really... I mean, well, yes, I guess it would fit into the broad definition. Um, I've been involved um, in trying to bring back Winky Dink. Do you remember oh, Winky, Winky Dink? Dink is wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. Yes, and uh, it, it's been a hard job because, um, because you know, it doesn't quite have the, uh, the edge <laughs> right. that so many toys of today have. But um, that, was a, that was certainly a very creative kind of, of toy. We can talk about that when we come back. We do have to take a break now. I'm talking with Dr. Toy, Dr. Steve Ann Auerbach. We're talking about toys all over the world and how they influence where the world is going. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. The Authority and in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. 
Living the Green Life with Kim Carlson, echopreneur, author, and green living maven, brings you an upbeat, fun exploration of the doables of living a more earth-friendly life. Kim cuts through the noise and urban myth of green do's and don'ts and shows that it is possible to live green easily. From hip organic weddings to exotic echo travel to healthy personal care products, get the most current trends and tips from the experts for living a more planet-friendly and human lifestyle. Living the Green Life with Kim Carlson, broadcast each Thursday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Living the Green Life for a human, healthy, and planet-friendly lifestyle. Tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for Powerful Prayer with host Connie Coddington. Each week, Connie and her guests will explain the healing system called Christian Science and share stories of how they have used the spiritual laws of God to bring healing to their lives. You can learn how to bring healing to your life, too. So tune in to Powerful Prayer with host Connie Coddington every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, only on Voice America, America's Voice. Albert Einstein once said, Nothing happens until something moves. Will your movement towards realizing a dream, making a long-lasting change to your life, or simply putting a daily smile on your face is just a click away. Tune into Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney and free your mind, open your heart, and ignite action in your life. Host and commander in change, empowerment coach, and international speaker, Scott Chesney shares his insights to making the most out of your daily lives. Scott interviews people who are maximizing their lives, the most recognizable transformationalists and leaders around the world, as well as those hometown heroes that move, touch, and inspire the best in all of us. Stay tuned into Maximizing Life for Scott's one-on-one coaching with callers. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney broadcasts each Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, inspiring you to live life with passion, purpose, and limitless potential. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. With me is Dr. Toy, Dr. Steve Ann Auerbach, and we were we were indulging in a little nostalgia talking about Winky Dink. Winky Dink was a toy that, um, it was a television show actually, and it was when people, it, it's come back in uh, a few times, but never as well known as originally. And um, it was where you put the, a plastic, uh, a piece of plastic on the television screen, and Winky Dink was a little character, a little animated cartoon character who would get into mischief. And he would tell kids, now boys and girls, take your yellow crayon and draw, trace this rainbow, for example. And then he would get into mischief and he would need to run across a river and the, the rainbow that you drew on the television set, on the plastic, with these magic crayons, would then turn into a bridge that he was able to use to cross the river because that's where they placed the river, you know, in the next scene of the cartoon, right where you had traced the, uh, the rainbow, and so on. And let me tell you, if kids all over the world were playing Winky Dink, we would not be having these problems that we have in the Middle East. Yes, I I, I totally agree with you, Carol. You know, I I said at the beginning, and, and I will say it again, that the issue of play and toys is a very complex issue. 
It is not just kids' stuff. It really involves so many different aspects between the nostalgia of toys and the past to the current crisis in the world. Uh, play reflects how the world, how the child is thinking and feeling and how they're expressing themselves, and it reflects how they relate to other children and how they relate to, to their family and, and the larger community. So this whole issue of video games and violence and how the games reinforce movies that are violent and all of this is really a serious topic. That um, And I'm so glad that you have an hour show to even begin to have um, a discussion on this subject. I think this subject is vitally important and there really is little or no opportunity to ever discuss in any length uh, the issue that we're dealing with. What I think it, it, it sort of think, well, people think it's just child's play, you know, it's nothing serious, but it actually forms the character of yeah. the child yeah. and the teenager and the adult. Yeah. If you're playing with violent video games, What's to stop you from being uh, an abuser of your brother or sister or your husband or wife or your friend? What's to stop you from picking up a gun and shooting? What's to stop uh, our kids from hurting each other out in the community if we don't start at home? So what parents give their children to play with, the parents are... You know, I always say the child does not have a manual when they're born, right? We don't, you know, a certificate. We, should, we really need a certificate to be a parent. Right. We get driver's licenses. You know, you don't drive without having a driver's license. But people become parents without any training, without any equipment to understand how important their job is as a parent. And I think that they use the television set as babysitters, um, they give children inappropriate products that are, are either dangerous to their mind or their emotions. And don't think about video games as something that could be, de- oh, it's just a game, they think. Well, but you, it's you know, not. To go back to something that you said earlier, because I don't want to let this pass, you were talking about how um, even in the Middle East the, the, they play with Barbie dolls. Yes. And Barbie, you know, that's certainly something that I've spoken about a lot in regard to um, how Barbie has been the number one toy that has destroyed uh, little girls' self-esteem because little girls compare themselves to Barbie. Nobody looks like Barbie, and um, they feel that they must be inferior because they don't look like Barbie. And um, it, it's just so sad to think of this, you know, going around the world being such an incredibly popular toy still. It's been, what, 50 years or something right. like that? It's it sold billions of dollars. And you know something? They're in trouble right now. And uh, I happen to feel that there may be a mission in all of this. They are trying to figure out what to do with Barbie. And years ago, do you remember Barbie couldn't um, do math? I remember there was a controversy about Barbie her. couldn't what? She couldn't do math. She couldn't uh, balance. Oh, yes, yes. And I thought, what a great opportunity for Barbie to learn how to balance a checkbook yeah. and be responsible when she's shopping. <laughs> do you remember when Barbie was running for president? Vaguely. And I, I said, well, she'd be good for the economy. She knows how to shop on Rodeo Drive. <laughs> but, you know, there is a very great need for toy companies to be responsible, Carol. And I 
I have been working on a code of ethics for the industry. I've been trying to get toy companies to stop making realistic toy guns. But the kinds of things you, we're talking about today is really the issue of the video game industry. And uh, these companies are have a, uh, a hold, and they've got a certain income that has been coming that's $30 billion dollars. Uh, it's very hard to turn this around to yes. something else. Well, at that, this point. that that's what what where the the parent comes into play, because into play <laughs> no problem. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> but um, because you know, yes, of course, it's these big bad toy companies that make these things. But the truth is, and they shouldn't, and there should be a code of ethics, absolutely. Um, because they should care what happens to future generations exactly. in the world. Exactly. But it's also if parents weren't buying these things, that's what they. For their, well, yeah. yes, I know that's, the, that's just a, like the same thing as the excuse yeah, of the television exactly. uh, producers and movie producers. Well, we just make the stuff. You know, we can't help it if this is what people buy. And I say that it's a fifty-fifty responsibility that parents are, are responsible fifty percent, and the manufacturers of movies and toys and all that are, are responsible as well. But um, that's where the parent has to say no, you know, has to right. just say no to all of this and, and not get uh, sucked in. And, you know, I have felt for a very long time, and it's certainly more, even more true now, that the more powerless a parent feels in the world, whether it's due to our, you know, constant barrage now of reports of terrorism or whether it's uh, just, you know, in his job, a, a father doesn't feel, you know, has a tough boss and, and feels emasculated in his job or many other kinds of ways that, that parents can feel powerless, they then um, consciously or unconsciously arm their children with these violent guns, violent video games and so on because they're sort of hoping that their child will be more powerful. You know, a gun is a phallic symbol, right, and it's, right. it's a symbol of power. And they're hoping that their child will be more powerful in the world than they feel. And it's really been, it's just been a spiral downward. Well, I want to just mention something to you. One, one little ray of hope that I recently read in the New York Times. Uh, there is a game called Peacemaker. And it's a new video game that was um, trying to help uh, children understand creating peace in the Middle East. Uh-huh. And I think that there is something um, very interesting about it. It was developed at the Carnegie Mellon Institute University, and they've, there is some interest in games that might help to promote uh, peace. But this is just one after so much that has gone on that's negative and destructive. But I just want to say there's a little bit ray of hope uh, in this, um, and it happens to be um, a, a very good concept. Uh, there's there's a, a, a team looking at the possibility of developing some positive games. Um, and I think that's what we need to do. There's something called SimCity. Uh, the video game industry has a long way to go um, to develop uh, programs and products that are going to be positive and, and help kids to learn. I do want to say that the entertainment software rating is helpful and children's software um, 
site is a very pl- good place to learn more about video games. And, of course, our site... Well, uh, yes, and then, go yeah. ahead, and why don't you give out your website address? It's Dr. Toy, Dr. Toy's Guide, D-R-T-O-Y.com, and uh, all the information that I can provide is there, and I'm very, very happy that we've had a chance to discuss something that's so very important today. Well, thank you very much. And I would um, recommend that all of you, uh, right after this show, click on drtoy.com. Um, it's a wealth of information. Ask Dr. Toy, um, the uh, toy history, kids' page, classic toys, awards, vacation toys. That's something that you might want to look at now. Um, newsletters, smart toys, about Dr. Toy, tips on toys, and so on, bookshelf, um, etc. There's a whole wealth of information here. So if you are a parent or a sibling or you know somebody uh, who you're going to be buying a toy for, um, you should check out the kinds of toys that Dr. Toy recommends. And, Carol, I want to just say one thing to you. Namaste and shalom. Okay. <laughs> and thank you very and much. Have a for... wonderful uh, summer, a very playful summer. Yes. <laughs> play, and that's what I need more of in more my life. More play. Yes. Dr. Steven Auerbach, Dr. Toy, thank you very much for joining us. I hope um, that we've made all of you think a little bit about toys. It really, it's not just uh, something to run in and buy casually because your child <laughs> is making a fuss. And right. you want to quiet them down, but it's really something that uh, is building blocks, literally, of uh, their future life. The kinds of positive things that they play with, intellectual things and creative things, that is all a lot more important than just buying them a BB gun and letting them go out and shoot their friends. <laughs> Especially when more and more they might get shot themselves. So thank you very much for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.